Mundo with the finish of the What Six Words series. Hello, hello, fair good morning. It's amazing to be here with you. Privileged to share God's word with you. I was there watching uh, Ken's video thinking, wow, all this for free. It's amazing. I want to come. I want to be part of this. Yes. Um, it's amazing. So it's part of our vision to equip. Hello, if you're watching from home or, or later on on YouTube, you're welcome. Uh, it's amazing to share God's word with you. And it's coming to your screen. Let's read the Bible verse and pray. The first is Acts 1.8. It's the same verse that we read last week. Guys, do we have the PowerPoint? Should I press here? Acts 1.8. So just waiting for the guys now. Before we pray, let me tell you what's happening here. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, uh, he said that the farmer went out sowing seeds. And, and the same seed fell into four different uh, grounds, soil, four different kinds of soil. And the Bible says that the first one was along the path, the second uh, seed was in the rocky places and the third one uh, amongst the, the thorns and the last seed just fell into a good soil and the teaching of Jesus in, uh, in this parable was okay it's the same seed the word of God and four different kind of people that we have in churches receiving the word of God or, and some of them I think we have the first the first enemy is some of them, the devil, you just steal the word from their hearts. So some stuff that we are about to share here in the next few minutes, if you're watching online or in this hall, maybe some of us, you just forget. Having a coffee here or in the car parking or 15 minutes after this morning here. But the other group, the other soil is like the distraction. I think it's the greatest enemy in a moment like this, distractions. And problems and concerns and some of us, uh, you'll be watching this few minutes and listen to the, the word of God and thinking, it's so hard to understand the accent from this guy. And, and maybe you start to think, oh, I need to go to Tesco and Asda after the service. And then you come back for a few minutes and then you start to cook and think of the things in, our, in your freezer or what you're going to do this week. Oh. I have to prepare myself for GCSEs or I have this meeting on next Wednesday. Then you come back to the service. In your mind, you keep being pulling, pushing to every different direction. So I'd love to pray now for my and your mind for this special moment of spiritual warfare about sowing uh, seeds, the God's word. Lord Jesus, I want to pray in your name, asking for the help of your Holy Spirit to bring our minds and hearts to this place here to this moment to honor your word please only only your holy spirit lord can make this word grow inside of us and, and be rooted in our minds and hearts in the mighty name of jesus i pray i also god want to pray for the news that we we were watching since yesterday in israel uh, lots of innocent people being kidnapped and lots of bloodshed and wars and everything we pray for peace and we pray because together with ukraine and in other parts of the world 
this is just one more sign of your returning to this world. And we pray for this glorious day and the return of Jesus Christ. And as your church, we pray for those who are suffering, those who are involved somehow in all this mess, in all this war. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. If you can keep watching the news, just not to watch the news, but to pray for everything that's happening is what we can do. Do this. And uh, sometimes we become very specialist in something that we cannot, we can do nothing about, but we, we don't pray. So pray for people involved in this conflict. Now, Acts 1-8 behind me is that famous verse we read last week and we read again uh, this week. Let's read. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This power is a Greek word, it's the same word that we use today for dynamite, explosive power uh, coming from the Holy Spirit. And then there is no full stop. It's a comma, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, comma, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's not or this or that. It's all together under the power of the Holy Spirit. And is this that I'd love to share with you this morning. Um, is the Great Commission. We have the same text like I was sharing last week in all the Gospels, in the four Gospels, different words, but the same mission. Jesus sending us in a mission, in Acts as well. And today is the last day of this series that we called about the six words. The vision of the church. So, uh, let me open a bracket here. Some, there is no new vision for the church. The vision God gave to us is the Great Commission. We must go. We just read now, Acts 1-8. But a local church in the geographic specific place has a, has a mission in that place. You have all these letters in the New Testament. All these, for some of us, different names. These names, they are, they are churches. Corinth, Galatians, Ephesus, Thessalonica. All these places, Paul was writing for local churches. And they were dealing with specific situations different in every single church. They didn't have some kind of headquarter where the church of Corinth, they need to send reports to the church in Galatia. They were... Independent, free, dealing with challenges inside that walls, inside that church, in that group, in that community. And this is a vision that we are sharing for this local church. Uh, and behind every word that's in the screen now, we spend a long time praying, trying to understand. That's why we are finishing today this series called Six Words. So a diverse church means that this local church, oh, and part of this we are becoming, and part of this sentence we are not there yet. And you are praying, and it's a goal for us. So we are growing that direction. For example, a diverse church. This church is much more diverse than it was five years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago. And when you talk about diversity, it's good to highlight this. In these days, this word is a very polemic word. We are not talking about to be inclusive in church in the way that the most part of people understand. Because church is open to everyone, but not to everything. It's different. Everybody's welcome. But, for example, you have me, one of the others in this church. This church is becoming diverse. We have all different languages, cultures, opinions, worldviews in the same place. Very diverse, very different, equipped. We spend the time here talking about 
to equip the church, to make this church grow in maturity in God's word and be ready. These words from Ephesians 4.11, to equip the saints for the works of service. Deeper, through, uh, deeper truth, hard word, yeah. It's part of this journey to equip the Christians, to equip the church, to impact community. So we talked about to impact, we talked about community, even this church building have many ministries, theater revive, jungle talks, jungle thoughts, creating some kind of impact in Crawley. But also we're speaking about your family and this local church, small groups, fellowship, relationship. Last week we were talking about we want to be a garden in this place, a place of relationship, a relational place. And today we're talking about beyond. Now, if we come back to Acts 1.8, we have, okay, is that, you know the verse. We have uh, Jerusalem as a local place. Judea is all that names that you see Jesus uh, walking around, all that villages, towns around that place. And then we have Samaria and the ends of the earth. So Samaria is this bridge between what is familiar for the disciples and the place that we have no idea where is it, who they are, how they do life, the ends of the earth. So Samaria is this bridge between my uh, things that I'm familiar with and things that I really don't know nothing about. So from the local church into very extreme places, Jesus is inviting us under the power of the Holy Spirit. As I was also uh, sharing last week about the understanding that we have about missions sometimes. I remember when I was a kid, we had, I think we still have this in, in these missionary agencies. Do they have this here in England, Steve, the, the 1040 Wyndham? It's 10 degrees of, how do you say, latitude? And, and, and this 1040 window in the world map, uh, it was, or it is, the main countries they call the resistant belt, very against the gospel. So Hinduism or Buddhism or Islamic cultures, all these places inside this window. So people in everywhere in the world, keep, they were sending missionaries for that place to preach in that place. And the understanding of the churches and denominations and organizations of those missions is when we send someone to 1040 Wyndham. And, and then when we pray, when we send money, and when we send someone. So if I cannot go, I will pray and send money and do a mission. But it's not what Jesus is teaching here only. Of course, this is mission, but it's not only this. It's also in Jerusalem. It's also in my workplace. It's also in my, uh, when I go for, for supermarket and petrol station. We are in the mission all the time. So, I was a teenager studying theology when I read the first time this book of a uh, South African theologian, great guy, David Bosch, Transforming uh, Mission. And the magazine, the Christian magazine in America, Christianity Today, they said is one of the 100 most uh, significant, significant books of the 20th century. Why? Because the understanding of this book is God is in the mission. Uh, like one of his attributes, God's love, God's joy, peace, justice, mission as well. And what he's, he was explaining in this book is, okay, God, he had one son and this son became a missionary because he sent his son 
to us, Jesus. And, and Jesus and the Father together sent the Holy Spirit in mission. And Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit together sent the church in a mission. So we are in a mission all the time. That's why he said mission is not primarily activity of the church, but an attribute of God. In other words, according with Acts 1.8, under the power of the Holy Spirit and the biblical understanding, there is no option for a newborn, for a Christian to have his life or her life or a normal life without mission. It's part of who we are. It's part of our identity. So, now, I'm going to share with you I want to ask you to take a time machine and come back for Acts 1.8. What was happening? We had that promise from the Old Testament, Joel, about the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus and John Baptist, he said, oh, I'm baptizing you with water, but someone's coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus talks about, uh, talked about this. And Jesus said to the disciples, don't go, stay in Jerusalem waiting for that special day. And then we have Acts 1.8. You receive power uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And finally, we have, we have in your Bible, Acts chapter 2. We love to talk about Acts chapter 2. So they were all gathering in the same place, in that upper room. The Holy Spirit came. They started to speak in other tongues. And in that same day, 3,000 people came to the faith. They were baptized. They were safe. The Holy Spirit came. The promise came. So from that day in Jerusalem, they spread for everywhere. And the planet on those days under the Roman Empire, spreading the news, preaching the news, the good news of the gospel. And the gospel started to achieve different places. But then they forgot something. Acts 1.8 is Judea, Samaria, and they stop here. Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and they stop here. And Jesus said Samaria and the ends of the, the world. What happened? The disciples, they were hanging around Jerusalem for a long, long time. Jerusalem was the place for them after some time of their last experience with God. It was a remarkable experience, amazing place. You know, when, when you are part of a church or when you are walking with uh, Jesus for many years, when you look back, you have these memories. When you had some, I don't know, different visitation from God, a different moment in your life, and it was beautiful. And... and it was amazing. And then what they did? They start to build the church in Jerusalem. They start to organize the religion in Jerusalem. The new religion that was born. So now they had hierarchies. Not in a bad way. Not talking about overbearing, controlling. I'm talking about organization. Great. And now they have a council in Jerusalem. With the main apostles. So they felt safe. They felt comfortable and safe in Jerusalem. The question is, have we not done likewise? When I look to myself, I always ask this to the Lord. Have we not built our faith in the place where God was instead in the place where God is going to or instead 
to build my faith in the place where God is was so familiar to stay in Jerusalem. So when I look to my life and I remember good moments with God, it's easy for me to stay there. And my opinions, mindset, and my emotions stuck in five, ten, eight years ago, many years ago. And they were just there in Jerusalem. Be careful that your faith does not become a monument instead a movement. Why? Because many people stick around Jerusalem out of loyalty to what God has done. And what happens? They try to recreate the good old days. I'm saying this because I did this many times in my life. Because when Jesus talked about the wine and the wine skin and the old wine skin, wine is the most important thing. But as I keep saying, every old wine skin, it was a new wine skin some time ago. And this transition is always disturbing, is always difficult. So we just stay there, doing like we always have been doing, thinking the same opinions, having the same routine, having the same cycle, thinking the same, thinking the same, because worked some time ago. This was the disciples in Jerusalem. Now, I do understand why. Because it requires faith and courage to leave Jerusalem. And there's a reason for this. Something that we keep saying. Uh, this comfort zone. We love it. Everybody loves Come on. <laughs> and there's explanation why. There's a whole explanation why they stayed in Jerusalem for such a long time. And without asking for any permission to Peter and for the other leaders of the church. Jesus just took another guy called Paul to go to the Gentiles. Why we love comfort zone? Why do we love this? Well, I have here for you uh, some reasons why. So, number one, the comfort zone is a concept that describes a mental and emotional state in which a person feels safe, familiar, and without significant stress. This is not bad. <laughs> Let, let me read it again. It's a mental, um, it's a concept that describes a mental and emotional state where I, where I feel familiar with. Everything's predictable. I know what's happening. Why? For four reasons. Reason number one, saving energy. We don't need to spend as, mu uh, as much time and effort thinking or making decisions because, so we save energy. And our brain's good on this. Let's make a test today. When you arrive home after church this afternoon you try to change your the drawer in your kitchen where you put your how you call cutterly forks knives everything to another drawer you will spend the whole month going to the wrong drawer because your brain is saving energy you don't need to think oh where is the new drawer it's just automatic so it's comfort zone now you take this for everything in your life it's so hard to learn something new to finish a book, to learn new language, to learn any, another skill, because the brain's trying to save energy all the time. The brain's 
pulling you back to Jerusalem. Stay here. You stay here. The way that we do church is always the same. The way that we do small groups is always the same. The way that we sing songs is always the same. It's safe. Jerusalem is the safest place. Second reason, control. We are, oh, I'm addicted to control. People tend to enjoy the feeling of control that routine provides. You know everything. How will be your week? Routine. Routine is a good thing. But you have the feeling of, okay, I can control the situations. Third reason why comfort zone is so good. Familiarity. People tend to feel more comfortable with what is familiar. This includes familiar environments, people, and routines. We know each other. For, because we have been friends for many years, can you imagine Jerusalem or in my, again, my small group, we know who is who and we are familiar with. And the last one, fear. Fear of failure is a significant reason to stay in a comfort zone. And things in, in our invisible enemies, they don't exist, but they exist in our heads, in our minds. For example, what if doesn't work? What if, oh, I don't know. What if I don't have money enough to finish? What if God's not there? What? I don't know. And then I have fear. All here. That's why comfort zone is so great for us. <laughs> I love this uh, quote from Joe Maxwell. The greatest mistake we make is to live in constant fear that we will make one. And is this cycle in our lives. So every time I read Acts 1.8, I think, why, Jesus, you just, why you just don't stop in Judea? <laughs> why do I need to go for these different places and abroad and ends of the earth and, I don't know, and talking about the mission and disturbing and do I really need to talk with my neighbor? I don't want to talk with this guy. Or... So Jesus is coming to break some cycles in our lives, in our local church, in our families, in our minds. Now, the thing that I love about our God is he knows how to shake us up. He knows how to change the situations. And what happened in Jerusalem? Persecution. A persecution came and they had to leave. A persecution came and they started to preach the gospel in many different places. And if you keep reading the book of Acts, the persecution came. They start to preach the gospel. This week we were talking about Acts chapter 8, when finally they arrived in Samaria. Because of the persecution, because of the problem. So that suffering was the main motivation to leave. Maybe this is you. You are suffering something. Some injustice, some persecution in your life. Sufferings, according with Romans chapter 5, is the thing that can make us humbler, wiser, more patient, better. You will find time to pray when you are suffering. You will find time to share your life or your heart or to dedicate yourself to God in the midst of some kind of war in your family. You remember of God or or, or to worship him or to walk alongside him when you have no answers or control of some situation in your life. So persecutions, problems. It's not all persecution that comes from the devil. Sometimes it's just God 
awakening you and me to say, hey, you are too comfortable. You are, your life is just too in the comfort zone. Let me ignite something here in your life. And God takes his iPad and problems and you don't know how to deal with. You receive that email. Oh, have a meeting with the human resource in the company. Oh, I lost my job. Oh, God, please. How are you praying now? <laughs> so, someone, some humiliation. Someone who wasn't fair with you. Some injustice. Some fine you need to pay for the government. I don't know. Different levels of, of problems that brings you to your knees. And if you look back, and those who had a very tough, difficult past, you know what I'm talking about. When you look back, you are a different person than you, you were. And you, I think you should thanks for that person who was so uh, cruel with you. I think you should thanks for, you should say thanks for all the suffering that you came from. Because this was making you grow and better. And to know more God. And the persecution came. And then they start to make, to do the mission. Then they start to preach. Then they were walking to everywhere, preaching the gospel because they had no other option. And the first place after the persecution, by the way, is the place in Jesus Christ's list. Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea. They were around Judea. They were around Jerusalem. And now, boom. The first place, Samaria, Acts chapter 8. Now, you need to understand, Samaria, why this place was so controversial, so difficult. What's happening here in Acts is that someone went in Samaria before the disciples. Someone went there preaching the gospel before the persecution, before the power of the Holy Spirit, before Acts 2. Someone was there preaching in Samaria. That famous guy called Jesus Christ. He was there in a well with a lady talking about. So there was a seed in Samaria. There was something in that place. And even after that seed, Jesus spent a few days there preaching for that people. When he was with his disciples, he said, you must go to Samaria and the ends of the earth. But they didn't want to. And then have all the, 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 the persecution. Now they're in Samaria. Why Samaria? It was so difficult, controversial. They were that kind of don't raise hands, don't give names, but you know weird people? Your brother-in-law, maybe? <laughs> weird people. Weird. When you see the message on your phone, you run, roll your eyes? Or when you need to call back? You know, you send a WhatsApp message and the person call you back. Oh, don't speak with this person. Weird, difficult people. Was the Samaritans. Why? Why? Because the Jews... They disagreed and they isolate themselves from those who believe in different stuff from them. So the Samaritans, they used to live in this place and some mountains for many, many years. And they were kind of, not brothers of the Jews, but they were kind of cousins. They believed in the same God of Israel, but together with this, very weird kind of doctrines and beliefs. So the Jews said, these guys, they are like a cult. We don't want friendship with them. And they put this wall between Samaria and Jerusalem. We don't go there. We don't like them. We don't want to receive in our family, in our church, in our environment, people who believe different, differently than us. 
I can love them from here if they are there. So now they have this coach of, culture of us and them. Okay? It, 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 mm. So when Jesus said Samaria, the guys said, oh, Samaria, really? And the Bible says that when Jesus went there, it was necessary for him to go through Samaria. And he spent the time with that lady in the well, John chapter 4. You can read this amazing text. But he was surrounded by 12 guys, disciples. What Jesus did, what does he do? He did something like this. Mm, I have something to do here in Samaria, totally outside the box. These guys, they will not understand at all. So guys, can you just go and buy food? Don't disturb my mission here. Because some people, they don't understand those who think who thinks outside the box. Some people that, why is I talking with this lady? Let's go home. No, no, just go. But I love you guys, but don't, don't stay here now. And they went to buy food. Jesus is talking with the lady. When they come back from the supermarket, the Bible says they felt really, really scared that Jesus was talking with that lady. They remained silent, but they said, mm, what is happening here? Jesus, do you want to eat something? Jesus, I'm not hungry. Why I went there to, to buy food, Jesus? To not disturb my mission here. Sometimes this is me. I have these walls. I have these concepts in my mind. And sometimes I'm really, really creating problems for the Holy Spirit to achieve the achievable, to love the unlovable, to reach the unreachable, to touch people. Jesus just breaking every wall and is going there to Samaria. Jesus, he really doesn't care about our opinions. I cannot just hang out with people who walk like me, dress like me, behave like me, think like me, have the same opinions like me if I want to do the mission. If I want to go to Samaria, what my expectations from Samaria? Different people. They take differently. They have another worldview. They have opinions about God. Well, they are around you in your workplace. They are in your school, in your university. They are your neighbors. They think they know everything about the Bible. Because they saw someone or some Instagram video giving some opinion about the Bible. They want to teach you how to believe in the Bible. The Samaritans. And they are part of the mission as well. You see how Jesus is disturbing sometimes? Is breaking our comfort zone? Because we are called to affect the culture. Jesus called ourselves salt and earth. And also to understand, and I'll be finishing, I'll be praying, but also to understand the power, the power to touch one person. Only one lady was touched by Jesus. But this lady, she was the key for that city. So when Jesus planned was to save Samaritans, but nobody can understand Samaritans better than a Samaritan lady. And she was the key for that place. One person, one person. The whole human race, God started with one guy. The, the captivity from Egypt, God freed them through one guy. Goliath, who was killed by one guy. What I'm trying to say is, we don't need to be a mega church. We don't need to be very famous and rich. So then we can reach Crawley. So then we can accomplish the mission. Normal people. Maybe you have one key person in your workplace. Maybe you have someone, some, someone that God's giving to you. Why don't you invite him to your small group or, or mission, Samarian? I love this phrase from Wesley. Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. 
And I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen, they alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven upon earth. Wow. We don't need to be a mega church. We just need the people, commitment with Acts 1-8, with the mission beyond us. So what I'm talking here is what we're trying to, what we're praying and trying to teach this local church is we want to equip, we want to impact the local community, but it's not or this or that. It's end beyond, beyond. And we don't have this. Okay, you have this guy, uh, Danny, who does something with the Portuguese-speaking word. That's fine. Like, like, like we, we have Valentina speaking with the Russian-speaking word, or Lou speaking with Spanish speakers. And uh, we want the church to be together. We want the church to be in the mission. We don't want you just. Oh, that guy is doing something. What's the name? Brazil. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We want everybody in the mission because all of us, we are disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why behind the scenes we have been praying and talking to have a group in this church for this apostolic ministry from Crowley Church. Because we want to create impact beyond. Because Jesus, the head of the church, he said, Acts 1 8 for us. I just want to say for you before we pray that Jesus breaks the cycle. And Zechariah 4.10 says that we cannot despise the day of small beginnings. He was in that well waiting for that lady. He knew she was coming. He knew everything about her. So every single day she was going to get water to drink to feel thirsty again and again and again. And Jesus said, could you call your husband? And she said, wow, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right, because you had one, two, three, four, five, six. And the sixth one is not her husband. What do you see here? A cycle. Water, water, husband, pursuing, looking for happiness, meaning Oh, now, I feel, oh, now I'll be happy. And again, frustration. Now I'll be happy. Again, frustration. But the seventh man, he broke the cycle. Jesus can break the cycle in this church. Jesus can break the cycle in my life. Jesus can break the cycle in your family. And I really don't mind if you have your past, your parents, your grandparents. You can be the person who will break the cycle. Because... You cannot break the cycle if you keep acting like everyone else. Going for the same place they go, behaving like them, being like them, because it takes courage to accomplish the mission. It's far easier to fit in, to being normal, to not be a threat for the darkness. Devil, you don't mess with me, I don't mess with you, I just want to go to Sunday morning to the church. It's far easier to be mediocre, to be part of something that we call church, takes courage to be part of the mission, takes courage to say yes, takes courage to leave Jerusalem, takes courage to do new things. Because if you don't do this, you will neutralize your uniqueness. And when you neutralize your uniqueness, you don't need more courage. You're just one among the, the crowd. So, every time you stand to accomplish the mission and you say, God, how can I do the beyond? 
how can I be part of a community who's talking about church planting in other nations or another town in England or beyond Crowley? Oh, there's many ways. But be ready for persecution. Be ready because the devil hates the mission. But Jesus called you to be brave, to be courageous. Could you pray for this? Let's stand. I'd like to invite you to close your eyes and to put before the Lord your spiritual journey now. And maybe some of us, we are stuck in Jerusalem. Maybe some of us, we see the mission beyond us, but we think, oh, someone's doing this is inviting you now to step in in the new adventure. And everything starts with this prayer now. Lord Jesus, how can you use my time, my skills, my gifts, my resources to accomplish the mission? Lord Jesus, how can you use my family, my daughters, my wife, my time and energy to accomplish the mission? And Crowley, and beyond Lord you know my biggest fear my biggest fear is not to die but not to live the life is not to accomplish the mission my greatest fear is one day to stand before you and to present nothing to you because of my comfort zone because of my um ideas and opinions about the Samaritans or about the world. Lord Jesus, I want to ask, please send your Holy Spirit through our families, breaking cycles and giving to us love for the lost. We want to plant churches. We want to spend our lives and every resource you give to us to you, in your mission. Lord Jesus, could you do something different in this local community? Could you send to Crowley Community Church and for the families of this church this flame of missions, of mission? Give us dreams. Speak with us. I know there is people in this church that are prophets. They have gifts, healing, word of knowledge. Speak with us, Lord Jesus, about the beyond, beyond us beyond our local place being part of the mission that your Holy Spirit is involved with we want to be part of this Lord Jesus and we pray in our mighty mighty name if you need if you need uh, something personal in your life that we could pray for we will be here I want to invite you to come if you feel that okay I think God is calling me to something. Maybe God's calling me to start something new, to start the Alpha Group, to start a new church planting. I can be a preacher, I can be a pastor, I don't know. Maybe God's putting some of hearts here, some hearts here, a burden of prayer for kids in this church or for the next generation. 
I don't know, but the Holy Spirit is inviting you for His mission. What a privilege. Maybe God's inviting you to stand up from your comfort zone and to say, it's enough. It's enough. My excuses is enough. My self-pity, it's enough. Jesus Christ is coming back. God, here I am. Use me. Use me. You need to do business with God today. And we will be here to pray for you is what we can do and equip you and to serve you. To see you flying in your mission. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. So we still have a few minutes before we finish the service. While we sing, we'll be here if you want to pray. And we'll be finished on time. Don't worry. But this is a special moment for you. Amen. Thank you, guys.